Hello, and welcome to the Webtoon Room. I'm Will. And I'm Crudy. And today, we're here to shed a little spotlight on some of our favorite Canvas Webtoons. Let's just jump right in. So before we get into this episode, just a quick clarification on what Canvas Webtoons are, just in case you didn't know. The stories on the Webtoon platform are divided into Webtoon Originals or Featured Webtoons and Canvas Webtoons. Canvas Webtoons, what we're talking about today and focusing in on, are stories that anyone can upload into the platform and original Webtoons often get picked up from Canvas Stories. Curdy and I want to see stories of all sizes do well, and that's part of the reason why we're here to talk specifically about Canvas Webtoons. Yeah, and we already do a little bit of that in what we're reading episodes. If you're not a regular listener, we do these frequent what we're reading episodes, often kind of a recommendations episode, really, it is, of Webtoons that we're reading and enjoying at that point in time, and we usually do them every other month or so or every month. And if you've been listening to those, you have noticed that we do mention a variety of story genres and popularity of sizes, featured originals and canvas. And this segment, it does have similarity to that kind of style. But I think this is something that you and I kind of wanted to do, Will, to talk specifically about canvas, because the way that we consume canvas stories it can be a little different sometimes in the way that we consume featured and Webtoon originals. Yeah, Canvas Webtoons tend to update less frequently than once a week. A lot of these creators tend to be a bit smaller. They tend to not have the same level of support that a lot of original creators do. It may be just one person drawing the entirety of the Webtoon, as is the case for some of the Canvas Webtoons we're going to talk about today. Definitely, and it is certainly not a fair expectation to place on a Canvas Webtoon to update as frequently or with the length of episodes that featured Webtoons often have simply because of those reasons. I mean, you just don't have the resources. And also, Canvas creators only get paid as much as the views that they get and how popular their work is. Some of them do have Patreons, which you should absolutely go and support if you like their stories. It does mean a lot to them. and. Before we get started on talking about the actual Canvas Webtoons, we felt it was important to discuss a little bit about our philosophy and what qualities we saw in a Canvas Webtoon that made us want to talk about it here. Yeah, I think that's kind of an important thing to open with, and I promise you we will get to the actual Webtoons. You won't have to wait too long. But I think it is kind of important to open with and to preface this episode with because First of all, it informs what you might get out of the webtoon and might help you decide if this is something you want to read or not based on our perspective on it and how we're approaching this story. But also, as we said, Canvas webtoons are different. I think the cool thing about Canvas webtoons sometimes is that they can try really interesting things or experiment in really interesting ways that you don't always get to see in a featured webtoon. And I think that can be reflected in what attracts you to a story because 
I don't feel the same way about Canvas Webtoons or all the Canvas Webtoons I enjoy that I do, the featured Webtoons I really enjoy. Yeah, these differences are things I think that should be celebrated. As you mentioned before, Canvas Webtoons have a lot more freedom to do different things. and They're just fundamentally different works too, you know what I mean? So I think it actually makes a ton of sense. What is your overall perspective that you took with the two Canvas Webtoons that you chose to talk about today? I chose two Webtoons that have their flaws, but despite them, have a really, really compelling story to tell. There are also other qualities about them, such as the art being unique or just very good. And I wanted to talk about these stories too, because they're not always the Webtoons you'll find if you're just casually perusing the Webtoon app. Yeah, I think that makes sense and definitely worthy of a spotlight for sure. The webtoon that I chose, it's interesting because I think we had different approaches, but ultimately it kind of comes down to a very similar feeling. I think my webtoon has more readers. I think it's a little bit more popular. It's got more viewers, as I understand. I don't remember the exact number, but it is a story relatively uniquely told on webtoon. and. Not only that, it's just told really well. It is just done really well. And that is something that I feel kind of strongly about. So that's why I wanted to talk about it today. Because if you haven't heard about it and this is a premise that you'd enjoy, like, yes, I want you to read this webtoon. It is very good. I think that's enough setup that we've got for the episode. What say you? Yeah, let's just uh, get to talking about webtoons. We don't need to roll the intro music this time, though. Mm, Different kind of music. The first canvas story I wanted to spotlight today is Castle of Glass by Miyoko-san. Castle of Glass is a fantasy story about a young Ashley who finds out her pendant is much more magical than she thinks and also has a mysterious backstory that other characters are trying to figure out. That's funny. I don't know if this is the name for it, but that's definitely like the magical object trope. Yeah, it's a fairly common trope. The story, while unique, does employ a lot of very familiar things. Mysterious character with mysterious backstory with powers that they don't fully understand, and they meet someone else who also is an inheritor of these powers. I should mention here, uh, people who hold these crystals are called regents. Their powers come from their pendants, which are inherited or passed down from another regent to another. In the background, the inciting event that leads Ashley to run off from her home or have to leave her home, actually, is that there's an outbreak of rogue crystal magic that consumed the suburb she lived in, and she was forced to leave, and runs into Ernest, another regent, and a member of the Kua family, and they start to spend time together and try and learn more about her powers. So what stood out to you about Castle of Glass? Like, what did Castle of Glass, what did Miyoko-san do that was kind of interesting or different that caught your eye the most obvious and easiest thing to point to is the art castle of glasses art is very good it's very pretty the character designs are great they're very cute and this is the kind of art that to me at least just feels so nice to look at that's a quality that i can't say for many webtoons 
even even webtoon originals, even ones that are praised for their art. There aren't many webtoons with art that I can't help but want to look at. So I guess my follow-up question here, because I'm curious, like, how do you quantify that? How do you describe that when it comes to talking about Castle of Glass as having art that you can't help but look at? See, that's just the thing. I can't quantify it here. It's not anything tangible to me. It's just a kind of inherent feeling I have that just says to me, I love looking at this art. And that's one of the big reasons why I wanted to talk about Castle of Glass today. Honestly, that makes sense. And it sounds like on top of factual or technical things that the art does very well that you can point to to sort of recognize, okay, this is good art. This is an example of why this is good. There's a personal and subjective element that is something that just really clicked for you with this webtoon. Yeah, it is personal, but I do think a lot of people would enjoy the art in this one and would enjoy the story. I should mention, though, just as a heads up, if you are reading this for the first time, English is not the author's first language, and it does show in the translation. So the dialogue and the text may be a little bit strange. If it's something that really bugs you, maybe this is not for you, but I would encourage everyone to look past it because underneath it is a pretty interesting fantasy story along with a really, really good-looking webtoon. Yeah, awkward translations or even typos sometimes because you get those in webtoons sometimes, actually fairly frequently, surprisingly. But those awkward translations actually don't turn me off. Like if I'm really invested in the story or interested in something else about the webtoon, like something is pulling me in, an awkward translation here and there isn't really going to turn me off. I remember with Hookie, that was something that I encountered, I think, in the very beginning episodes. There were just like a few awkward moments and I was like, huh, you know, it, it really wasn't a big deal, but it did, did give me a little bit of a pause and just, yeah, like that huh moment. But I like the story. I was into it and I kept reading because it was great. And um, I don't think that should deter you or deter anyone from any story that they might be potentially interested in. Yeah, Hookie is dear to my heart too. And I hope Castle of Glass will be soon too. I'll have to follow it to find out if it will, though. And you should, too. All right, Critic, you're up. What have you got? My canvas spotlight is Lord Have Mercy by Savanita Art. I love this webtoon. It's so good. It is a forbidden love story, which is not usually a trope that I normally gravitate towards. I will read them and I will enjoy them, but I'm not like, ooh, forbidden romance. Like, give me, I need the story now in my hands. But Lord have mercy, when I first saw it, there was something different about it that just really stood out to me. And it really is. I think you spoke about this earlier. The art, when the art is really good or it's really striking, it's really interesting in some way. That's part of the appeal that grabs you because that's something that Lord Have Mercy does really well. And it's also really unique. It's just very striking, which makes it very interesting and attractive. What other qualities about this webtoon drew you to it? I really liked the setting. It's set in 1960s small town America, and it is a love story between a Catholic priest and a Catholic nun, which, yeah. 
uh, forbidden romance to the max. Just up the wazoo. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, and that's not a story that I'm automatically, you know, chomping at the bit to read. And by that, I mean, I don't seek out like these types of forbidden romances, especially like when it comes to religion. But the art of this webtoon is so striking and it's so beautiful. It's got this lovely warm color palette full of oranges and pinks. And all of the characters have this kind of inherent blushy tone that Savanita adds. It's just really beautiful. And it has this lovely kind of retro feel that fits with the setting. It's all so cohesive and gorgeous. And on top of that, you've got a romance that really, really works. Yeah, it's not a line I thought I'd be saying, that the two main characters have great chemistry when one is a father and the other one a nun. Uh, yeah, I never thought I'd be saying that. Yeah, it's a little weird, isn't it? It feels like you shouldn't be into this, but Seventy to Art does a really good job of setting up a pair and setting up two characters who you are not only invested in as people, but you understand why they make sense together and why their love story is a love story that you're on board with. Like, she really does a good job. She and her co-writer do a really good job with bringing you on board their romance. And essentially, it's like making you buy it. The question I think with most romances, and this goes beyond just webtoons, is do you buy the romance? Do you buy the relationship between these two people? Does it make sense? And in the case of forbidden romance stories, should it happen? And the answer to all of the questions in Lord Have Mercy to all of those questions is yes, which is really not easy to do with this kind of setup, which makes it all the more impressive to me. Yeah, Lord Have Mercy's romance just makes sense, which is unusual to say, again, given the main character's situations. Yeah, for sure. And the thing that I really love about this, by the way, the main characters' names are Father Luke and Sister Esther, and they're super cute as people. And also just together, they develop a friendship first before, you know, anything happens. I'm gonna spoil nothing of the juicy stuff. There'll be some light spoilers here and some of that kind of discussion. Hopefully not too much to ruin the reading experience should you choose to read it after you listen to this. This romance setup works because of how these characters are written. Both Father Luke and Sister Esther, they're not flighty people. Like, their personalities and their approach to their life situations and life goals, it just makes sense considering who they are and considering what they're doing. They're both really dedicated still to God and to their life choices. It's not something that's easy for them to reconcile and yet they've got these feelings and they're trying to understand how to handle them and also kind of where to take that because in a way love is in itself its own blessing but then it's also there's undeniable vows that both of them have taken so i think their sincerity to their faith but also to each other goes a long way in setting up the bones of this story and bringing you on board. Another is the genuine friendship that the two have. You can see why they get along, and you can also see why they become important to each other and how 
their relationship becomes kind of special and different and and more intimate, I think is a good word to use here. Their relationship, their friendship, I should say, becomes more of an intimate, close friendship. And you can see how special they are to each other and why the other person is important. Actually, this is what I think I'm trying to get at here. This webtoon does a really good job of showing why Esther is important to Luke and why Luke is important to Esther and why that relationship for each character respectively is not one that they can let go of lightly, which is really important because when you've got something so strong as your life vows and your religious faith conflicting and being the thing standing in the way of your feelings for this person, you've got to have something strong equally strong in weight and in emotion and in impact standing up against that. And Lord Have Mercy does a really good job of setting up their relationship to each other in a way that it does that. Yeah, it sort of reminds me a little bit of Midnight Populant and its forbidden romance that it has going on. Yeah, that's something I was thinking about too. We talked last week with Midnight Populant about how forbidden romance needs that equal weight between the stakes that are pulling you apart, the consequences for your love, and your actual relationship that is sort of threatening the status quo, almost, which it is in Lord Have Mercy and it is in Midnight Poppy Land. And Lord Have Mercy is an example of this story done really well, where you can understand why this is so forbidden, you can understand implicitly the consequences of Luke and Esther acting on any romantic feelings. Not only them being a father and a nun, but they also live in a small town. And as everybody knows, small towns, word travels real quick. There are no secrets. And that's a big theme too in Lord Have Mercy. It's funny. Luke, in the beginning of the webtoon, makes a big point of saying, oh, he has nothing to hide. He has no secrets. And it's this thread that is strung throughout the series of this character who slowly but surely is discovering that he has secrets, that he has things he wants to hide. It's fascinating. It's really good. Will is like wiggling his eyebrows. It's really funny. I mean, it's just a really cool bit of character development, you know? It really is. It's just done really well. It's one of those canvas webtoons that I'm just 100% on the ride for. Wherever Savanita takes us with this story, I am there because I'm fully invested in Luke as a character. I'm fully invested in Esther as a character, and I want them both to be happy. And selfishly, I kind of do want them to be happy together because I am on board their romance so much. And I think that's something that deserves to be celebrated about this webtoon. It does a lot of things right. It does a lot of things well. And it is a little more popular among some of the canvas reads out there, but it fully deserves it. It's so good. And if you haven't checked it out, this is one that I would highly recommend you do if this is a story that sounds like it would be interesting to you.
think that's pretty much about my set. Well, I think I've said all the words that I can for now, but Lord have mercy. So I think we're back to you now. What's your next canvas pick? The next and last canvas pick I've got for y'all is The Dummy's Dummy. The Dummy's Dummy by Mokomura is first and foremost a horror story. So if you don't like horror stories, um, sorry, this one's not for you. <laughs> That's me. I don't like horror. Um, yeah, I don't know. The horror tag just skeeves me out somehow. I say this every time. I'm not actually a big horror fan, and I can't really stomach too many horror stories, but this one had a lot going for it, and I was <laughs> definitely interested to read it. It's funny, yeah, because you keep saying that, but then you keep reading horror stories. <laughs> And I know, logically, you don't read that many horror stories, but compared to me who reads zero, <laughs> the, the, the amount you do read is a lot. Yeah, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record at some point. I keep, I know, <laughs> I know I keep saying it over and over. I don't like horror. I don't like horror. But here I am talking about another horror webtoon. All right. All right. Tell us. Tell us about The Dummy's Dummy. The Dummy's Dummy is a PG horror webtoon in that it's not like overly gory or gruesome. And it follows Yumi, who is a young girl who discovers a doll made by a mysterious creator. And this doll's purpose is to hunt down all the other nightmares that this same person had accidentally created. Jesus, I think those are the stories that skeeve me out the most. It's the dolls. It's the ones with the dolls in them. Yeah, dolls creep me out too. And, uh... Creepy, I think, is the best way to describe this webtoon. It has a very, very creepy and eerie atmosphere whenever the two main characters, Yumi and Paris, are investigating a scene or looking for clues, and it definitely has that creepy, crawly feel to it. And this was one of the main reasons why I picked this webtoon for this spotlight. It absolutely nails its atmosphere and puts you right in the middle of this creepy, haunting atmosphere and world that the dummy's dummy has set up it's not often that i enjoy these kinds of horror stories but it's not often that i read horror stories that do an amazing job setting the tone and i don't read too much horror or consume too much horror as i've previously said but that does seem like something that can be kind of a make or break for these kinds of stories it definitely is. And on top of that, the art is no slouch either. It is really, really pretty in its own right. And I love both the character designs and the overall style and feel of the art. That's awesome. Really good art does make a difference. We talked about silent screams in an earlier What We're Reading. This was over the holidays. That was that bonus episode we did um, for What We're Reading. And I remember you mentioned Silent Screams at the time, and that's kind of another horror canvas webtoon. Where would you compare, how would you compare The Dummy's Dummy with Silent Screams, if you feel comfortable answering that? Oh, but I do, dear Kruti. Gosh. <laughs> Silent Screams, I would compare to something like Saw, not in terms of like, it's like a horror game kind of thing. Silent Screams is more like a horror survival type story in that the character has horrible things happen to them and it's how do they make it through. The Dummy's Dummy has a big mystery. Who is this mysterious creator and what's the secret behind Paris, the doll who helps her 
take down a lot of these monsters. And the kind of tension it has is something closer to a Hitchcock movie in that there's a lot of buildup in the tense moments and how each arc kind of unfolds as they investigate and try and learn about the current monstrosity they're hunting down. So they're both definitely horror. They're just different flavors of it. That makes sense. And that fits with everything you've talked about and everything you've told me about both of these stories. Would you overall recommend The Dummy's Dummy? If you're into horror, even if you're not into horror, if you just want to read a good horror story, then The Dummy's Dummy is definitely for you, and I would recommend it. You know what it sounds like also? Even if you're not into horror, it sounds like if you can appreciate and if you like good suspense, suspense done really well, because that can be really hard to do sometimes. It sounds like the dummy's dummy has kind of got that on lock. Definitely. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Webtoon Room. Kuri and I always love talking about webtoons, but Canvas ones especially. We really do love to read a lot of different Canvas webtoons and... We definitely wanted to make more of a space on this podcast to highlight more of these stories. And this Canvas series is an evolving series, so it may not look like this. It may not sound like this exactly in the future, but we hope you enjoyed this first one. Let us know what you think of it. If it jives for you, if it doesn't work in some way, or you want to see something different, let us know that. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at The Webtoon Room on both of those platforms. And you can also email us at thewebtoonroom at gmail.com. Just share your feelings in all of the places. (laughs) We're on the internet for you to find. But yeah, it was a pleasure to do another episode for you all and just talk about more webtoons that we like and that we're enjoying reading. That's just the core of this podcast at the end of the day. So we're happy to be doing that for you all and super grateful to have all of you listening thank you all very much we will see you next time for our next episode see you guys then bye